what else goes in there is but the feeling is temporary. Lord bless you may be seated. Getting quiet already. I think, am I an apostolic preacher? How many want to help me preach? <laughs> I enjoy it. I've got something to share, <clears throat> and um, we'll see what happens. Huh? It's good to have our pastor back. Yeah, we missed him. Now my other son and daughter-in-law are traveling around. That's okay. I'll get to travel, I guess, one day. Ignorance is bliss. You know, the Word of God, when they talk about the Word, there's two uh, translations. The first one is uh, Logos, and it's found in John 1 and 1, and the beginning was the Word. That's part of the thinking part. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the other translation is kind of what I want to bring to our attention also is called rhema, both Greek words. The rhema, R-H-E-M-A, is the spoken part of the Word of God. Now, we can read things, and we can research stuff out, but when God speaks to you, how many are with me? When the rhema of God goes forth and he speaks to your heart, it may not always be an audible thing. I haven't heard an audible voice from God, but I have had him move in my heart. How many has ever done something they knew that they shouldn't have done it, but they did it anyway? And then your heart just sinks, doesn't it? Drops to the floor and you think, oh, man, I'm going to faint. I knew I shouldn't have sent that fax. I knew I shouldn't have sent that letter. I knew I shouldn't have made that phone call. God speaks, doesn't he? The rhema is the spoken word that is in Luke 4 and 4. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I can read it. But it's different when God touches my heart and, and I hear it in a song, I'll hear it in a message, I'll hear it on the radio somewhere, or I'll even be reading the Bible or a book and all of a sudden this verse just jumps out to you. How many are with me here? And you can't get that verse off your mind. You can't get that phrase out of your mind. You can't get that song out of your mind. Why? Because God is speaking to you. How many are still with me? Have I lost anybody? You understand and you know when, when, when we read the word of God and sometimes it's fine, but when God really speaks to you and God really moves you to tears, there's something else going on and God's done that. How many people has he done that to? And what's so good about it is when I follow up and obey the rhema of God, I can sit back and say, oh, well, that's just another service. Oh, well, that's just another song. That's just another move of God, and I'll, I'll go through my usual week of work and my usual lifestyle and pick up back with you next Sunday. It's not that way anymore. It can't be that way. I've been bothered this week, and it hasn't been a good feeling. Why? Because God's piling stuff on. And if you have been anywhere in this country, if you've been blind, I can understand that. If your, your ears still work, I can understand that. 
But things are happening in our country. Things are happening in this hemisphere. Haiti has gone through. Who knows what Haiti's going to go through? Who knows what Cuba's going through? How does that apply to us spiritually? These people are going through it physically. We don't want more food. Over there, we need more food. We don't want no water, even though we need more water. All we want is our freedom. And the devil will do everything he can to keep you trapped, to keep you cornered, to keep you chained up, to keep you stuck somewhere, to, to keep you rotating around and just going around in circles all the time, never advancing anywhere because why? You're still just going around because there's something about it that just keeps you captive. If you're here and that's your condition today, there's freedom in this house. If you're here and you need something broken and you need something set free and you need chains pulled apart, you've come to the right place because there's a rimmer of God going to your heart. God's in this house to do something for somebody. When God speaks, he inspires us. He enlightens us. Scripture just jumps off our pages. As I said, it can be a message, it can be a song, it can be anything. God will use anything to speak to you. So don't think that just because you came and you got your heart touched once and that's going to be fine, that it's going to be go away and everything's going to be as normal. It's not going to be as normal anymore. Why? Because you've, inter- you, you've introduced your spirit to God's spirit. I was at the men's conference. <coughs> This year, picked up a book called Bad Decisions, The Legacy of Lot, written by Brother Carlton Kuhn. And it's another thing, come on, Rod, you're getting spooky. No, I'm not. It's another thing when you walk down. If you go to these conferences, don't neglect the bookstore, publishing house which is a good thing for people like me that you're always busy and I don't have time to open a book and read it, but they have a little thing called an audio book. Take advantage of that, download audio books, and you can listen to them all day long. (coughs) But I walked by and this book just kind of just bit me. It really did, kind of like this thing. So I picked the book up and I began to read about it, how it's caught, it's divided into three different sections, how uh, Lot and Abraham was uh, pre-Sodom, and then there's during the Sodom, while he lived there, you know how many years Lot lived in Sodom? Anybody want to guess? More than 10. They're estimating about 20 years Lot lived there. Wow. Can you imagine 20 years living amongst and, and, and putting up with the stuff that was in his face every day? He was kind of like that little finch there. Ignorance is bliss. It's, bliss is a happy, joyful, never-ending, just lovely place. As that little bird is. He doesn't really know what's coming. 
But as long as you ignore it, you're happy. Because nobody's told you, watch out. Ha. So I just finished the pre-Sodom part of the book, and it's things have just jumped off the page at me all the time. That's why we went through Genesis 13 and read the scripture there. <coughs> and Paul stated to us, you know, ignorant, the word ignorant, it's kind of harsh, isn't it? Kind of get, what do you mean calling me ignorant? Yeah, if I was George W., I'd probably say ignorant. <laughs> ignorant. Sixteen times the word ignorant appears in the Bible. Paul uses the word eight times. Bliss, as I said, is defined as a supreme happiness. There's utter joy and contentment. So here the phrase is ignorant is bliss comes from. It means that if one is unaware of an unpleasant fact or situation, you cannot be troubled by it. I'm claiming ignorance. How many has ever tried to claim that card and try to get things out and say, oh, I didn't know. I'm the only one, huh? How many has noticed something and turned away and said, I didn't see that. Grandkids, it's easy. Get practice, you know. What's going on out there? I see it. I see it. The wreck's coming. It's coming. Honest, Gary, I didn't see it. <laughs> so I've had practice. Now you can't be troubled by it because I don't know. It's not that way here. This phrase was coined by the English poet and literary scholar named Thomas Gray in an ode and a distant prospect of Eton College penned and, pr and printed in 1747. You can be happy if you're unaware of the situation because it might get worse, but you can claim ignorance that I didn't know. So we read in Genesis 13 and 12 that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, which tells me that whatever your direction in life is, that's going to determine your destination. Wherever you're focusing and, and facing every morning and every day in your life, that's going to be your destination. I could preach from that for a minute, and I think I will. I want to face the Lord every morning. I want to get up. I want to take my time. And you can make a ritual thing out of it if you want to. But if you will take your time and you will get up and you will face God in his presence, your destination is not going to be a train wreck somewhere. Your life is not going to be destroyed somehow. The devil's not going to keep you wrapped around and going around in circles or cornered somehow. Why? Because I'm facing God every day. I want to look towards heaven. I want to look towards where he's at. I don't want to look in the mirror and say, Raj, everything's fine. Because I know it's not. I didn't read that article. I didn't hear that news report. I don't know why. I didn't know the Cubans don't have any breakfast every morning. 
had a friend at work. He's a Cuban. He's a neighbor. He puts Cuban flags on his golf cart when he goes around over there. But he loves this country. He knows what America is. But he's so frustrated. He said, Raj, my, my family, my sister, they're all over there. My mother, and there's, he hasn't been there in three years. He doesn't know what to do. I can't go over there. I may not come back. I may end up in prison somehow. So what do you do when you're in a situation like that? Uh, and then I hear on the radio Friday, this guy called into the, the talk show and he was telling him about what's going on over there. What's the average lifestyle? How things happen in Cuba? And I'm sure it's somehow that way in Haiti, too. I have no idea what's going to happen in Haiti, but we need to pray for those people. We got churches in Haiti and Cuba. Huh. People are going through it. Uh, that's over there. It's not here yet. Well, you know what? I'm telling you, they are watching everything you say. They're listening to every conversation that goes on. Who knows what's going to happen? That's why I want to face God and say, Lord, my destination is up there. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm not trusting in the man. I'm not trusting in Washington. I'm not trusting in Tallahassee. I'm not trusting in anything like that. I'm trusting in you, Lord. I don't know how long it's going to be, but it may take just a few more months. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what? I find peace when I rest in you. There's something about the presence of God that sweeps over your soul. When you face him in the morning first and you turn your destination and say, Lord, I know I've got to do this today. I know I've got to be to work at 8 o'clock, but I've got to chop out some time to get along with you. I've got to lift up your name. I've got to feel your presence. I've got to pray down the anointing of God. I've got to put on my armor every day. Why? It's the way we live. I can't be ignorant. And still have peace in my life. Rod, you are so crazy today. I'm just bearing my soul here. I'm, I'm emptying out what God's gave me. I don't know sometimes how to say it, but it's just going to come out. That's again what I call an Ajax message. It shakes out white, turns blue in the sink. Boom. So we find that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. There's a reason why that scripture is in the Bible. You know, Carrie, when I was when I read this book and I was <laughs> Sister Marie Farino, she used to come here. She called me Brother Lot. Oh, come on. Can't you pick another person? She meant to say Lot, but she always said Lot. Hello, Brother Lot, it's good to see you. No, 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 Sister Farino, it's lock, like a door, like you put a key and you turn it. It's locked. It's not lot. Oh, well. Sister Farino has a tremendous testimony that I told her years ago she should print it. I'll, I won't go that way, but. 
we look at Abram, he was a fan of the Almighty God, wasn't he? So to use a sports analogy, he would have had all the God gear that there was. He would have had a turvis tumbler of God. He would have had a huge pennant in his tent. He would have bought a sweatshirt. He would have even put a bumper sticker on his camel that said, God is everything. And, of course, he would have had a necktie for a church service. Abram walked and talked God. And you could tell when you ran into him that that's what he would bleed. He would bleed God because he was the best fan of God's at the time. Lot, on the other hand, wasn't like that. Lot was for Lot. Abram would have been a great blessing to the local church. Lot would have been a spectator if he'd have come at all. Abram would have attended every prayer meeting while Lot wouldn't even known that the prayer meeting was on the calendar. Oh, but that's my church. Abram would have been the first to give sacrificially, but Lot would have given grudgingly if he would have given at all. See the difference of these people here? Abram was committed to God. Lot was committed to Lot. Lot started out well from the Earl of the Chaldees, but something happened on the journey that Lot got tired of the God thing and was only out for his fulfillment. If there's one thing that we could do is stay faithful to the church. If there's one thing that you will learn, absolutely it's hard sometimes. Do you feel like getting up at 5 o'clock every morning, Ronch? No. Absolutely sometimes I don't. Sometimes, but you know what? You get up and do it anyway. Why? Because I got to talk to God for an hour. You got to keep going. The faith has to, to, to keep happening. If there's anything that we need an anointing of is the, the gift of faith that our faith increases, that our faith doesn't, doesn't wane, that our faith doesn't fail, doesn't, doesn't fall apart with all this stuff that's going on. God help us with our faith. Amen. Abram had at least 13 encounters with God. How many do you think Lot had? There's a difference. While Abram built four altars, how many think Lot built? There's a difference. If there's anything in this world that we can do right now today is make a commitment to God that you're going to improve your serve, you're going to improve your relationship with him, that you're going to do everything that you can because it can't be the same anymore. There's too much at stake. There's too much going on. And I refuse to just sit back and say, oh, well, and put everything in the ignore column. I don't know. There's no more I don't know. You're telling me the things you hear and the stuff that you read about and what you see on the news, if you listen to that, doesn't bother you and that you're just going to ignore it and go about your merry way. You can't be like that. so blissful today. So then the strife happened between the two herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. 
And here's the choice. Lot chose. Throughout the whole Bible, that one word pops up all the time. You have to choose. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Every time the devil throws something at you, you have to choose which road I'm going to go by, which I'm going to lead by, how, how am I going to affect my life today, what am I going to do, what am I going to say, how am I going to start my day. You can't blame God if you don't talk to him. You can't blame God for the things that goes wrong in your life if you have no relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't blame God that nothing's going to happen positively in your life if you haven't built yourself an altar, if you haven't poured out your heart out on an altar someplace, if you haven't done your due diligence to make and improve your life and improve your, your relationship with God. You can't blame God. Lot chose the well-watered plain, the easy life of luxury in the plains of Jordan. Abram went the other way. He went up in the rocky, mountainous, rugged, hard work of being alone with God, but he had the presence of God with him. Which would you choose? i go with Abram. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. I've chosen the wrong way. I just told you I faxed something I shouldn't have faxed. Boy, did that cost me some money. But I'm glad I'm in this church. When I'm in the church, I'm always in good hands when I live by the word of God. When I put him first, I can never fail when things go rough. Because why? Yeah, it's going to happen, but you know what? i got to rest in him. And if there's anything that's missing that people want in this world and in this life and in this country and in this state, sometimes it's just peace. If they want peace, the only way you're going to find it is on an altar of God. You're going to have to, you're going to have to do something about it. If you want the peace of God that passes all understanding, you're going to have to go chase after it. You're the one that's going to have to pursue after God until he overwhelms your life with peace. You're the one that's going to have to put on the, the, the uh, shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're the one that's going to have to dig in the wood, in the world. And you're the one that's going to have to listen and obey. Glad I'm in this church. How many are glad they're in this church? This coming August the 4th is going to be my 50th year that I've received the Holy Ghost. 50 years. And you know what? I can remember like it happened last night. 14-year-old kid, and I got it because I decided to just quit playing around. And I got it when I decided I'm in business this time. I've told you this before. I've told you that it's the girlfriend's reason, you know, okay, I'll go to the altar, you know, make the girlfriend happy, that kind of stuff. When I got serious with God, things started happening, and just in one night, service, I gave up. I said, I just can't live that way anymore. I just can't do it anymore by myself. And I was so glad that I did because my life changed from that point on. But, Raj, you've been in the church all your life. Yes, I have. But you can go to hell right on the front row as soon as you can in the bar somewhere. 
You mean you needed the Holy Yes, I did. You mean you needed to get baptized in Jesus' name? Yes, I did. But it all starts because you repent first, and you, come, and you make your mind up that you just can't live like that anymore. Not a happy life. But you went to church. Not a happy life. Because you played around. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom, the verse says. The Torah uses these two words to translate the term tented toward. One means to dwell as a residence, like you would have your address, an envelope, and sent to your mailbox where you live. That's your residence, to dwell. The other word here that the Torah means is translated to be tented or to be temporary, to be set up like one is camping. How many want to just camp? You've been camping, and you say, oh, man, I miss my bed, and I just can't all the work, and I smell like smoke all the time, and i got to fix the food and do all that stuff. That's camping. The kids love it, you know, and you torture yourself, and, oh, it's for the kids. You know, and you come home, and you got to get and go to work the next day, and it's your back's broke, and it, you know. Camping, a temporary setup. Another translation of these words in this verse is that Lot tented ad Sodom or until Sodom. He knew what he chose to do. So he just sat there, put his tent up, and he remained there for however long he felt like, oh, well, this is just fine and this is just comfortable. He was like that little finch there on this post. That's fine. Uncle Abraham took care of me. That's fine. Until meant that Lot camped at that location until he and his family became so comfortable with Sodom to be their home. I don't know about you. But sometimes the things that I hear and the things that I see just bothers me. Spiritually, it just hurts. And there's something that you got to do about it, and that's pray about it. But what Lot did is he put them all in the ignore column. Oh, well, that's just, they can do their own thing as long as they don't bother me, it's fine. Yeah, and, and then he went from tenting. From the camp out, he folded his tent up, and then he moved in the city. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? And Abram was doing the opposite. He was getting back. He was making a distance from Sodom. I don't want nothing to do with that. I want to get as far away from that as I can. Why? Because it affects me spiritually. Oh, that's just the co-workers, you know, they just they just let him go. It affects me spiritually. I don't want nothing to do with it. Come on, Raj, don't you come out and go with this, you know. Can't. Affects me spiritually. I don't want nothing to do with it. Get as far away from that as I can. Oh, I, you've been in church all your life, so you've got a lot of years of, of you know, you're a pro at it, and you, you, you're not going to slip and fall. There's nothing going to happen to you. 
snake is going to get you, so just sit on that little post. Can't get close. Do an Abram. Get far, far, far away. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Ignorant means lacking in the knowledge or training or the unlearned. When you lack knowledge or you lack information on a particular subject or fact, where you're uninformed or you are unaware, you're ignorant. I'm usually ignorant when it comes to tech stuff. That's why I have to borrow my son or whoever, one other kid I can find that will fix my phone or help me do this right. It's dad again. Yeah. He's stuck on the computer. Yeah. <laughs> I am ignorant. But I'm not ignorant to the devil's devices, Paul says. I know when my heart feels something and it says, this ain't right. I know better than to just keep patty-caking around and to just keep, you know, playing with the fire type of a thing and, you know, I know that something's going to happen, so I need to get away and vacate the place. Ignorant comes from the Latin word ignorare, where we get the word ignore. Here's what ignore means. Ignore means to refrain from noticing or recognizing. So in a tense, and Lot could have played, oh, Uncle Abram, I didn't know. You're telling me that you pitched your tent towards this evil, God-forsaken city with all of its wickedness going on, and every day that you would take open your your tent, you would open up your tent doors, and you would see this city of Sodom. You and Mrs. Lot take your coffee and have a good cup of coffee at sunrise over Sodom. Isn't it great? Nah, it doesn't get any better than this. You got all your stuff you want. Your, your herdsmen aren't fighting. Uncle Abram's gone. Everybody's here. You're going to leave yourself alone. So you pitch your tent towards Sodom. And all the stuff you heard about, all the stuff you read about, all the stuff that you were told of, you put in the ignore problem, and you said, I'm not even going to pay attention to that because it really doesn't affect me. And you live comfortably there, so you think, until you decide to pick up and move into the city and dwell there for 20 years. And you expect that stuff not to affect you or your family or your ministry or anything else you're trying to do for God. Well, let me tell you a lot. God's stuff left a long time ago because you chose to pitch your tent towards Sodom. But I, I, I was uninformed. I'm here to tell you Lot wasn't ignorant of the nature of the society of, of Sodom. And he knew what was going on. 2 Peter 2, 6 through 8 says this. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he, God condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Here's what you get if you live ungodly. And he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. 
Verse 8, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I don't want to get up in the morning and feel like I've been vexed by something. I don't want to go and face my coworkers and feel like I've been vexed by something. I don't want to go and think that, that the devil is overwhelming the world and everything and there's evil all around me and I feel horrible. I feel bad. But you know what? Sometimes you read and you get that way. But when I want to get up, I want to get a hold of God. When I get up, I want them to know that I walk with God. When I get up, I want to go by their way, and I want to hear a song coming out of their voice saying, Rods, what's wrong with you? You're too happy. Here's what vexed means. To tire or to wear down with toil. To exhaust with labor, to afflict or oppress with evils, and to make trouble for those and treat them roughly. Every day. But I, I've, I've got a new tent. I, I've got this Winnebago in the back. I've got, a, you know, the pool and everything. I fix my soul daily. I've got this part of my, it's a new apartment. And look, they just painted it and put siding on it. It looks great, you know. And it's, but you fix your soul daily. Oh, that's just something that, you know, it's not a big deal. I've been wrestling with that thing for years. But you vex your soul daily. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. Maybe it's me. Maybe again I have to come to grips and say I just can't live this way. I don't think it was such a happy place that Lot decided. I think that he knew he made a mistake, and sometimes your pride gets in the way and says, I ain't going to make altar. Who, me? I didn't do nothing wrong. I'm ignorant. I don't think it was like that at all. I think God convicted him daily because he was ignoring the knock on his heart but he was going around, and worst of all, he chose to take his tent and put it there and move into the city because he wanted what he saw, and he chose to have stuff for the reason of wearing down his soul and at the end, offering up his family. What's wrong with you? You realize parents, and I can just say this to parents, is what you do as a parent affects your kids. Nah. Yeah, it does. What you allow in your home affects your kids. What you watch on the tube affects your kids. What you do in your spare time affects your kids. Whether or not they hear you pray affects your kids. Whether or not you have Bible study or do something biblically and round and help raise them up in the church and godliness affects your kids. So, yeah. When you're a parent, things change because it can't be, it never is about you. It Church is not about you. Yeah, to a point it is until you get saved, until you get a good dose of God. But from that point on, it's all about other people. Huh. You let the rhema of God sink down in here and you put your ear 
You put your spiritual ear to the voice of God, and he'll never change. He'll never let you go because you've got to realize and come to grips. Lot, it's not about you and what you want. Abram had that already. He gave him the choice. You you choose this way, I'll choose that way. And when you're there with that relationship with God as Abram was, nothing really bothers you that bad. Jesus said in Matthew 6, no man can serve two masters. Lot, you can't love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and at the same time dwell in the city of Sodom. It just can't happen. You mean, you mean I, I, I can't go to church and have all of this stuff? The stuff isn't worth it. Really? I'm not counting on stuff. I'm counting on God. Doesn't matter. Take this whole world but give me Jesus. Can you imagine where we would be without God? Where would you be without the touch of God in your life? Musicians, if you would come, please. Romans talks about, Paul said that, list down at the 8th chapter, the end of the 8th chapter of Romans, what can separate you from the love of God? Even though you did some lot stuff, even though you ended up in Sodom, God still called you out. God still sends angels. God still sends people. God still sends messages. God still sends the tug of the, the tug of God on your heart. God still casts a hook. God still reaches out to you. You can't get away from it. Why? Because you you you've introduced your spirit to God. And he wants to use you to do stuff and to do things and to minister to other people. Stand with me. I'm finished. Thank you for your attention today. Ignorance is bliss, but it only lasts for a short time. You know, there was another picture that I could have used. It had a little armor that Finch with a big stick stuck in that snake's mouth like that. <laughs> Hand of God. He can do that. You know that? This snake can't get anywhere. But if you're here today and you're kind of tired of living an unpeaceful life, if, if the things happens and it kind of just vexes and wears at your soul, Psalter's open today. Paul said, I don't want you guys to be ignorant. Because ignorance is definitely not bliss. I can't pretend that I don't know the condition of my heart and the things that I deal with every day. Because I live with it and I put it up and I decide to put it in the ignore column. No more ignoring. God's here to help you get rid of it. God's here to cleanse it. So may you receive a rima from God today that he'll help you unload your daily burdens of your life and rest in his love because he loves you with an unending love. He doesn't want you to live vexed every day. He doesn't want you to plant your, build your tent in the middle of, of hell. He wants you to come and release everything today. Let's sing this song together, Ken. You have been faithful, and all my life you.
Can we give him some praise today? Come on, isn't he been good to you? He deserves all our praise and glory. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't want to walk through this world with blindfolds on or blinders on, ignorant of the things of this world. But we also don't want to be walking blind of the things that God has for us. There's so many giftings and so many blessings that God wants to pour out upon our lives and so many areas He wants to lead us to. Amen. But we don't want to be blind to them. We don't want to, what happens is we can get too comfortable where we're at that we don't want to leave where we're at. We don't want to go to the next level where God is drawing us and pulling us and, and calling us. And, and so we, we put our blinders on and try to ignore it all. But I want to be, I want to walk through this life with my eyes wide open, seeing the, the vices of the devil, but I also see all the blessings of God and all the opportunities that he has for us because we are his church, we are his body. Amen. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. And so God's got victory for us. And I want to be there, and I want to go there, and I want to walk that way with him, hand in hand, as he leads us. Amen. Amen. So good to see everyone here today. God bless you all. Thank you for coming.